Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. And join us and subscribe on the YouTube page as well, or Facebook as well, with the new videos that we have going on. But with me, I have Matt Prince, and he is a pretty good guy to actually have. He works for Taco Bell. Yes, that Taco Bell, the one you all love and probably eat every once in a while or all the time. doesn't really matter. But he has been part of several big cultural contributions like the Taco Bell Hotel, the Taco Bell Weddings, Taco Bell Beer. And he's also been a part of Disneyland. And he was also part of all the social media command center and building that out as well. He's been a part of PRSSA, PRSA helping young professionals understand and get into PR industry. But welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. Excited to be here. And the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I'm a new coffee drinker. I know that's probably a very rare thing to hear for someone, one, in our profession, two, probably someone at my age. But two things kind of propelled me into coffee drinking. One, having my second child that that kind of dipped me into a place of no return where I needed the extra boost. And then also, you know, working from home because I naturally am an introvert. So I, I'm, uh, I rely on other people to get my energy. Um, and so working from home, I didn't have the hustle and bustle from the, from the office. I didn't have those, those hallway conversations. And so I found, found myself like during the start of COVID and working from home, I'm like, I am getting way more tired than I usually am at this time. So, so I, I recently started getting into coffee and it's like, I don't really love the taste, but kind of need it to get going now. Uh, so what do you usually drink? What's your favorite go-to? I found my, my ease, like the transition that it's found that I found is best for me now is like the iced coffee. So, and I love milk. So more milk, the better. So I think lattes are like, uh, are, are, are my go-to now, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll dip into the more serious stuff. Mm. If you really want the hit, try cold brew. Cause that gives you about double the caffeine as anything else. Okay. Noted. Thank you. And if you kind of don't like the, the flavor, try a pour over style coffee. There's different ways of brewing it. So that will give you more flavor from the coffee. You just have to get good coffee at the same time. All right. Good to know. Thanks. Just a little little bit of hints for you because I was a barista in my former life. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's, that's exactly what a newbie like myself needs to hear, so I appreciate it. And I gave a very brief overview about your expertise, but can you give us a little bit more about who you are for our audience? Absolutely. So Matt Prince, uh, I lead the public relations team for Taco Bell. I've been there for seven years and have helped kind of build out some really cool programs. You mentioned a couple of them earlier, but my job is to really lead the earned strategy for the brand and kind of bring to life in different ways, what we call these like cultural moments, these culturally relevant ways in which the brand shows up, does things differently, puts together campaigns that um, people may scratch their heads of like, why is Taco Bell doing that? But at the same time, answering with, of course, they would do that. I don't think anyone was probably asking for a Taco Bell hotel, but the way that we showed up and how we brought it to life and was 
in a way that only Taco Bell can do it as a brand. And so we, we have some, some really cool programs that we've done in the past as part of that. Um, prior to my time at Taco Bell, I spent about five years with Walt Disney Company. Half of that time was in digital marketing, as you mentioned, leading brand and or, um, social media monitoring and engagement. So really for the first time, looking at how community management was done for parks and resorts, because at that time it really wasn't a thing. And a big part of my job was going into the parks, eating the food, riding the rides and shooting content. It was a really tough job, but someone had to do it. Uh, and then my other half of Disney tenure was spent in public affairs and was actually a speechwriter for president of Disneyland and managed communications for the executives that were based in Southern California. Really, really great opportunity. And then prior to that, I mean, spent I spent uh, time within nonprofits and with government work. So I've had a, a wide range of nonprofit, government, entertainment, food experience. Uh, and of course, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, um, have a big tie to student development, especially within public relations and trying to give back and help um, students with their with their growth and really find their path and help with mentorship and guidance and resources along the way. Gotcha. And then moving on to those PR cultural phenomenons or moments can be incredibly hard to do. I mean, it's not one of those things where you go, we're just going to do this and it's going to be awesome. So how did your team go about doing that with Taco Bell, all the different things that you guys have done? Was there like an idea of like, we're going to do this or did it come out naturally through meetings and just doing life with PR? Yeah, I think a big reason for some of the successes of these programs is that they're rooted in cultural or behavioral insights. So I think we can probably all think of examples of brands or companies that have shown up in social or in other places where it's like, well, they don't really belong there. Like why, why are they showing up? Why are they joining the conversation? And we didn't want that to happen. We wanted everything that we do to be purposeful. We didn't want, we do what we call this like logo swap test, where if you can take the Taco Bell logo out and put another brand's logo in its place, does that campaign still make sense? And if it does, then maybe it's not uniquely Taco Bell and maybe we should rethink how we bring it to life. So a lot of what we come up with is, is based in social insights and social monitoring is a big part of our role. Um, we look at different conversations. I'll give an example of like Taco Bell weddings where again on the outside, like why, who would want to get married at a Taco Bell? That seems kind of crazy, but back all the way up to the beginning of the, the thought process uh, we were seeing in social that a lot of our fans were getting proposed to with sauce packets because if you're familiar, our sauce packets have like words on them and one says like, will you marry me? So we were seeing a lot of people getting proposed to with sauce packets, which was cool. And then by that so by itself, um, you know, I think it's interesting. It's a fan engagement moment. But if you put that aside and continue looking, um, you'll see that people were also taking their wedding photos at Taco Bell. People were taking um, Taco Bell to their after parties. People were all of these ways that Taco Bell was showing up. The insight that led us to that was Taco Bell is showing up in the love stories of our biggest fans. And so you take that insight and you think about how you can make it bigger and, and make it more of a moment. And at the time we were opening up a restaurant on the Las Vegas strip. And I remember thinking like, if you're like, what's the biggest form of relationship commitment? And that of course is marriage. And then I had this restaurant that's been built in Las Vegas. I'm like, there's no better way to kind of combine the two. 
so it kind of came to life in that way. We partnered with an efficient that's that's local to Las Vegas. You can order a wedding off of the menu from the Las Vegas Cantina the same way you would a cheesy gordita crunch. Um, so for six hundred dollars, you can get a bunch of tacos. You can get it married in as little as four hours. You get a bunch of swag. You get a really cool experience, and it's a beautiful. It's like a chapel, a wedding chapel that's built into the wedding, that's built into the Taco Bell at the Las Vegas Cantina. So check it out if you haven't already. And then three years, I think that we've done it. We've done almost 300 weddings. So it's a, it's a testament to, I think, the, the fandom that we have. But it's a good example of, again, like how you take an insight that was already a behavior. We're not just building something from complete scratch where it's like people are thinking why would that exist these are these are real behaviors that are existing within our biggest fans and i think that's why you kind of have that success because it's it's already a, a part of behavior all right it seems like it was a lot of like listening and seeing those little touch points did you use a lot of tools for that or was it just learning over time like hey look at people are getting married here we're in vegas sounds like a match made in heaven no pun in, actually a pun intended on that one <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of all of that. I think we see so many conversations through social that, again, in its as an individual component, probably is not big. But when you see them time and time again, when you um, see them come to life in different ways. So another example is um, there's an old movie called Demolition Man. Some of our younger listeners may not be familiar with with that movie, but it's about 27 years old. It was a um, Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, one of her first movies. And in the movie, Taco Bell is the only restaurant that exists in the future. The movie takes place in the future. And in the future, the only restaurant that exists is Taco Bell. Still to this day, one of the best forms of product placement in a movie that I've seen. But in social, people bring this up all the time, especially when we come out with more innovative things, whether it be restaurant design. They're like one step closer to Taco Bell taking over all of the restaurants in the world, one step closer to Taco Bell winning the franchise wars. And so one of the things that I wanted to do and had this idea when, when I first started Taco Bell was like, how do you bring that to life in a cool way? So for the 25th anniversary of the film, we partnered with Warner Brothers. We recreated the fine dining Taco Bell restaurant that was in the movie and brought that to life at Comic-Con and um, had such an amazing experience. It was, it was fine dining, it was free, but it was a way of launching our, our nacho fries at the time. We basically told the prequel story of how Taco Bell was the only restaurant in the future. And it was amazing. We, and we had a, a wait for, um, you know, six hour wait for three days straight. Um, and again, it was it was tapping into that behavior that was real, the conversations that were already existing, we're just kind of fanning flames on them. But through social listening, through behaviors, through consumer insights, through just how our food shows up in different places and culture, like those things all together, I think create some really magical moments. Are there like specific social media sites that you listen to more than other ones? Or do you kind of listen to them all and try to get a spread? Because I'm pretty sure... For yours, LinkedIn may not be the best one, but you can still listen to it a little bit. But it seems like Twitter, Facebook, maybe TikTok and Snapchat may be the better ones to listen to. Is there any difference between them? I think every social platform has its value where you typically see a majority of the conversations come through, I'd say would be your Twitters, Instagrams, and now TikToks of the world. So we work really closely with a brand called NetBase. 
And they're a social listening tool that we've worked with for, I'd say, almost 10 years and building out even some proprietary monitoring tools that if you were to go to our Taco Bell headquarters right now, we have this room called the Fishbowl. And we have 12 monitors on the wall that are monitoring uh, real-time conversation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, you can see the trends. You can see how people are talking about the brand, what the keywords are. And I think that has really unlocked a lot for us. But when I started seven years ago, TikTok wasn't even a thing. So I think you look at the, the immersion of these new platforms and how brands show up and I think brands are showing up in even a more powerful way than I think they were on Instagram on TikTok now and how consumers are tapping into your brand. So so that's a big one. But you also have to continue to evolve and continue to shift the strategies because they're not going to stay the same because the consumer is shifting. The way that they're engaging with your brand is shifting. So you kind of have to keep stay flexible and, and keep an ear out in all of those places. Mm-hmm. And how do you start out with just doing those things? You talk about listening and everything, but after the listening, how do you go about actually enacting those cultural phenomenons like the Taco Bell beer and all that stuff? Do you like strat with your team? Do you kind of look at your social listening and bring that? Do you have like a, a whiteboard and you're like, let's just throw ideas as well. Do you have like any type of like, I guess, formula for that? Yeah, it's, I think it's an uh, element of all of those things. Um, you know, one thing I learned early on in my career is like I would take those insights and I would try to, I'd take the ball and I'd try to run with it all the way to to the end zone. And uh, I realized that wasn't the most beneficial way of bringing things to life. It's really helpful to bring people along with you and to kind of get course correction as you go through it too. So I'll take that in idea or insight like, hey, and I'll soft sound it with, with, with folks in our department or outside of our department and say, hey, what would you think if we did this? Or if I were to say this, like, what does that make you think about? And getting that feedback is really helpful to kind of have that idea take shape. Because I don't think any one individual can just from start to finish run with an idea, especially for like a big brand like Taco Bell. It's going to need a lot of work along the way and a lot of partners, a lot of, a lot of cross-functional um, integration um, to make things happen, whether the things show up at the restaurant or whether you build them from scratch, a lot of people need to come with you on that journey. So it's really important to bring people along. Um, but yeah, but it starts with the whiteboard. It starts with that social listening. It starts with those conversations of like, what if taking my colleagues out for a beer and be like, okay, crazy idea. What do you think about this? And it goes a long way. And then from there, you just build out and continue to grow. And for the example of the demolition man, like I had that idea four years before we actually brought it to life. And the reason why it didn't come to life was because there wasn't the right fit for that idea. And it wasn't until we launched Nacho Fries and it wasn't until we got the the thought partners from other areas that build on the original idea that it became something. So that was like a big learning um, piece of my earlier career, like bring people along get that buy-off, get that support and make it come to life in a really cool way. And you talked about like course corrections. Is there a way of like figuring out the steering of it? Cause it can be very like, you gotta just do a complete pivot or sometimes it's just like a little bit, like an inch or so that you gotta change. Is there like any subtleties to like figure out how to do that? Or is it more of just trusting your gut and your team at the same time? Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do. It's a really great question because I think a lot of times in your career, you will hear the word no, and you have to determine, is this something worth fighting for? Or is this like 
I value that insight. That's really good. I'm going to make sure that my resources are better spent on other things. Um, and then you kind of walk the line in between the two. So it's also getting really good feedback. Really good feedback is something that's so valuable. It's not just the word no, it's the why behind the no. So you can then take it and say, okay, I understand that. Not being prideful in, in making sure that you're able to take that criticism and then build off of it. And I think that's really important to do, especially as you go through your career of learning. It is that gut feeling of, hey, I'm really passionate about this thing. I am going to keep going with it, but I'm going to make sure I'm strategic about the shifts and the course corrections. And there's other times like, hey, this is really important to me, but it's not the best use of my time. Maybe I'll keep it on the back burner. Like we, I have you know, a back burner whiteboard as well. And those are things that maybe they're not ready for prime time, but you got to kind of keep them in your back pocket. And maybe something will happen in culture or something will happen with the brand or trends that you're like, oh, I have the perfect idea for that. And then you can kind of bring it back to life in a different way that makes more sense. And I mean, emerging trends just seem to be one of the things to talk about seems to be either ahead of or on trend with. So how do you keep that all under control? How do you keep that going? How do you keep being on trend or at least understanding the trends that are going on? Yeah, I think one of the things that we try to do is um, we have this mindset of an eternal 25-year-old. And what that means is um, it's very aspirational age, right? When you're 15, you want to be 25. When you're 50, you want to be 25. Um, but also when you think of the 25-year-old of today, it's very different than the 25-year-old of um, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So what it does is it continues to allow you to shift as a brand for your strategy to shift to match the culture of today, to match the generation of today. So like as we dip into like Gen Z and the, and the amazing things that they bring to um, how brands are rethinking how they engage with consumers. Um, you know, we have to do that because they're becoming 25 and that mindset is going to shift into make sure that we are the brand that those younger generations are looking at. So I think by creating this mindset that's flexible, that allows you to shift, um, that's not rigid and saying, hey, this is our position and it's not going to change. Um, I don't think that's the way to go. Like it's going to have to change. It's going to have to shift with culture with generational um, um, divides and you're going to want to change with, with, um, with culture. And I think that's one of the reasons or ways that we do it. Gotcha. And then how has just creating content or even do Ur media PR and everything changed since COVID? We talked about having to work from home more often, but is there anything else that's actually changed within Taco Bell and the market and the PR side of it? Yeah, I think if you look over the past year and a half during COVID, so much has shifted for brands. One of the big things, I mean, not just COVID, but you look at social inequalities, you look at the political unrest that we had, so much was shifting in a year that was really hard for a lot of people and brands weren't exempt to that. So I think you had truly a change in like operational, you know, right? Like our restaurants were changing, the inside dinings were closed, we were going to drive through only. Our menu had to shift with that as well, kind of taking out some pieces of our menu that were more challenging to speed up the times because those lines were longer. So you have those impacts, but you also have generations like Gen Z who are saying like, hey, we're in the middle of this a big social 
inequality conversation and we want to know where you stand. And so I think during COVID, brands were held a lot more accountable for things like safety, what you are doing to keep me safe. Why should I keep going to your business during a time where it's very uncertain and I don't know necessarily where I feel safe. So being really transparent and uh, accommodating where you can, where do you stand on, on social issues? Where do you stand on some of these um, inequality issues? Because that accountability is really important for, for younger generations to make their decisions based on not just buying a product, but buying a purpose and buying a belief. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts that you're seeing now too with younger generations is is not necessarily being driven by material objects, but be driven by purpose, very meaningful decision-making process of how they engage with brands, but wanting to make sure that you have a tie to and what you believe in and that you're living that every day. I mean, I think we almost need to add supply shortages as well, since that seems to be a big thing, at least this year. Last year wasn't as big, but it seems like that one is now playing a part in how you market your, even your products sometimes. Yeah, you're seeing that impact that I think started then and now the the repercussions are, are happening now, but labor challenges, uh, supply issues challenges, those things are all kind of showing up now and in, in ways that brands not just Taco Bell, I mean, all brands are having to deal with across the board. So uh, again, it requires you to be able to be flexible, move fast, move quickly, bring people along, be transparent um, and be okay with a little bit of uncertainty because I think we're kind of in that boat but at the end of the day you have to make sure that you are producing a product that you believe in and that you can bring consumers along and make them feel good about it and feel safe and feel heard and that's really the best you can do and then moving into like more of the future generation since we talked about that a little bit but more for the pr side of it i mean what what skills or how should young pr professionals be successful in today's pr industry yeah, the PR, I think, as an industry, obviously, is continuing to shift. It always will. It's 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 a very, the dichotomy of, of what PR is is very interesting because there are some facets of it that haven't changed in 100 years, and there are others that change, you know, every other week. So I, the one, that's one of the things I love most about PR because it is so volatile in a interesting way. You know, I think for what I look at for young professionals is the things that I can't teach. So you look at things like interpersonal communication skills, the work, like drive, uh, work ethic. Those are things I can't teach. I would take a strong work ethic over experience any day of the week. I can teach you about the brand. I can teach you software skills or monitoring tools. I can't teach you how to have that drive and that grit and that determination. So for me personally, as a manager, those are the things I look for. Um, one thing that really helps me in my process in getting to where I am today is I understood very early on, I wasn't the smartest person in the room, but I understood relationships really well. Um, I understood that as it was nearly impossible to stand out in a stack of 300 resumes for these competitive jobs. And that I wanted to kind of look at it a little bit differently. And I wanted to be at the top of what I called everyone's I know a guy list or I know a girl list because I understood that for opportunities that came up, the hiring manager would go to their network and say, do you know anyone that would be good for this job? They wouldn't post it on LinkedIn. They wouldn't post it on the job boards. They would ask their network, do you know anyone who would be good for this job? And my goal was to do enough within the community, to do enough within my work 
do enough networking and relationship building that when that question was asked, they said, oh yeah, I know a guy. I saw him speak here or I met him at a networking event here or um, I met him at a volunteering thing here. It was doing the most that I could at that time to set up a strong personal brand that I could take with me on that journey and my career growth and be at that list. And so if you look, if you look at my career path, um, I've been recruited from a job I love into a job that I love even more. And I've not, I've not applied for the jobs that I've had over my career. Now I've applied for many jobs and I've not gotten them, but if you look at my actual career path, it's been that of recruitment. And so to me, I think resumes are dying. I, I think it's harder and harder, especially now to stand out, especially in a more virtual world where you're competing with people for an LA job from New York because work from home is a much more prevalent. So I think um, as those challenges grow, relationships and networking are gonna be more and more important. And even networking has changed too, because it's more virtual, which some people argue is not that great, but it could get better. It's, it's a challenge. And the young generation, I mean, everyone now literally has the opportunity to connect with anyone they want in the world, which should blow your minds. You know, like as a, as a young professional, you can reach out to anyone at any industry, at any company that inspires you, any individuals that inspire you. And I encourage them to do that and like find those people that inspire you, pick their brain. You're not looking for like, hey, do you have any job openings? It's like, hey, do you have 15 minutes? I love what you've done. I love the mindset you bring to your job every day. I'd love to pick your brain and learn from you. And you'd be surprised of how many people are saying, absolutely, like I would love to do that. Because also what you're seeing during the pandemic is um, older professionals like myself who love to give back through volunteer opportunities we haven't had that you know we haven't had those volunteer opportunities because of covid so you have this built up desire for people wanting to give back so one of the things that um, i started this past year was a program called net net synergy and it was built with that in mind i, I took i have about 180 mentors that have said hey i want to give back i want to make myself available these are people from agencies biggest agencies across the country these are from the biggest companies across the country um, saying, I'm available, reach out to me. If you need a virtual mentor, I'm here. Um, and then it's letting students know like, hey, here are resources, here are ways that you can connect, here are things that you can do during this pandemic because it's hard. It was hard enough when there was no pandemic starting off in your career, let alone during a pandemic. So that's one of the reasons why I started that was to, to hopefully help out a little bit and connect people better with jobs and mentors as resources because it's really the most important thing that you can do in this career, especially with NPR is building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And then what about like organizations like PRSA and PRSSA? Would those be beneficial for them to still try to go into as well? Because I mean, that's networking in some ways as well. Absolutely. I mean, I was, as a student, I was involved in PRSSA at Cal State Fullerton. Um, I'm still involved uh, as their, professional advisor I have been for the past 11 years. So I get to work directly with the students and it helps me to keep pace with the changing landscape of where their challenges are compared to where my challenges were when I was a student. And so PRSSA is such an amazing tool. I encourage students to get involved with it. There's chapters all around the country that are 
really, really impactful. And then PRSA as, as, a, as an organization is fantastic. I served as president for its 50th anniversary. I served on the board for over 10 years. That to this day, I think is one of the most impactful communities for PR specifically um, that can help build those networks and build those relationships. And PR is such an amazing world because you'll you'll be a client for someone one day and they'll be a coworker the next and they'll be your boss the next. I, there, there's such a, a small circle of people when you really look at the connectivity of this industry. And so those relationships are more and more important to have. And, and uh, PRSA was such an amazing tool for that. Mm-hmm. And then fun question for you. If you could create a new food item for the Taco Bell menu, what would you create? Oh, that's a good question. They do let me into the test kitchen every now and again. And I mean, it's it, one of the things that's great about Taco Bell is like the, the ability to customize. You, so you can truly like as a consumer, you can pretty much build whatever you want, which is nice. You can kind of be your own personal chef. I think I would do, this is not an original, but there's some really good desserts that are in other places around the, the world. And and I want to say it's in Thailand, but there's like a Kit Kat quesadilla and it's a dessert menu item and it's melted chocolate in kind of this more dessert style. It's not bread, but it's like a dessert style, kind of like a crepe um, material. And it's excellent. So again, not not unique to me, but I would bring that to the States and I would uh, up our dessert game. All right. Thank you, Matt, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge about everything that you do and for future generations. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for joining PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. And subscribe on YouTube and Facebook for the videos as well. But join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get your networking going again if you haven't or if you fall off. And see you next week. Later.